0: Welcome to the Managing Managers podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Quar, founder of the Tech Lead Academy and curator of the newsletter for leaders in tech, Level Up. In this podcast, I'm chatting with senior engineering managers, directors, VPs of engineering, and others who have walked the path of managing other managers, where we will uncover some great stories and lessons learned. Let's get started. Hi, today we have Gab Michaels. Gab has been in the industry since 15 years and started his adventure at RTL, rode the wave of browser games at Big Point and GameSys, and started and failed a startup. Today, Gab is on the journey to transition the food industry to more sustainable food systems with Choco. He has seen the company's birth as a software engineer from day one, and today is a director of engineering. Welcome, Gab, to the podcast. Thank you
1: for having me. It's uh, it's been a uh, it's absolute pleasure being here and uh, just
0: speaking to you, having a conversation, and uh, let's see where this brings us. Love it, great. Uh, So the podcast is around managing managers, and um, you know I think part of that is hearing about the sort of leadership career journey. So I know you started off doing a bit of front end development, and you uh, started your own startup. So tell us more about that journey and how you ended up at Choco.
1: Yes. So I've been basically around working as an engineer like since 2004 more or less or at least 2004 I started my apprenticeship like in Germany you have this model where you work and you also Um, go to school at the same point that goes over three years and actually like uh, I was starting off as a you know media designer right but like I did like all the different steps in that uh, in in my company so like one part of the the journey was actually going through um, engineering and at that point um, you know some people might say you know is that even engineering so like I started off with flash you know, like the the early days when uh, it was everywhere and web. And like, that's what primarily dominated also my career for a long bit, right? So from the moment uh, Steve Jobs said like, okay, we're not supporting Flash anymore. Like Flash was considered dying. But um, I think it still held on for like another five to 10 years. I don't know, um, something like that. It was really long.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I I think it shut down probably about five years ago or three years ago. So there was still a lot of flash out there. You're right, up, up until quite recently. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So uh, I did that a lot. So after uh, my journey at RTL, I moved to to Big Point, did some. Uh, browser games when that was a thing right There was even like before all the mobile games etc like farmerama all these big point <laughs> games and then like also moving to london for like to, to like an online gambling company called gamesys so it continued the flash journey there and like at, at that company that's when all the rats jumped off the sinking ship and uh, went over to other technologies so uh at that point, I went to another niche technology uh, uh, language. It was called Hacks. Uh, I, like barely anyone knows this, but like, <laughs> it, it, like it had like a similar concept to like, let's say, um, like TypeScript these days, right? So, um, but that overall brought me then to uh, the other web technologies like React and um, uh, everything in regards to web. And overall, when I left london i decided to move back to germany for my own startup like a friend of mine dragged me into like an adventure you know like you start (laughs) conversations and then Uh, actually it looks like that's okay you're just advising and suddenly you're one step through the door so i was like okay now one step through the door let's see where this takes us when we started uh, the startup it was also only just like six months full-time and like maybe in total a year uh, with the side by side with my uh, main job Um, but that's what we did then uh, in 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 berlin for six months full-time the startup was called zoe it was more based on like building an app for culture building inside of like bigger startups um and then classic startup mistakes came the way like you know going all in without any clients and um uh, living off of your own money uh, mm-hmm. and savings yeah. and then you know and uh, eventually like i, I was uh, uh, quite burnt uh, at that point, and like exhausted at, uh, at the very least, so that I decided to, to to take a break. And after that, that's what then brought me to Choco. So um, the advisor of the startup was Daniel Kashap, who's our C- CEO at, at Choco. And by coincidence, the day that I uh, decided to not pursue continue with the startup, Dan had a dinner with me randomly, and I said, like, man, I need a break. Uh, I need to get my life straight <laughs> in all dimensions and it was like okay I understand I was there uh, at some point as well but how about you join my startup that is about to launch uh, <laughs> and uh, so that's uh, how I eventually
0: made it to, to Choco. Wow did you have a break in between like or did you jump straight from your startup into a new startup?
1: It was three weeks, uh, three weeks break that I took yeah. Um, but yeah it was uh, an intense
0: time Okay. Wow. Um, so, tell us more about what Choco does. Uh, I understand it's a sort of sustainable food, but explain it to other people who are going to be listening to the podcast.
1: Yes. So, our vision is to enable a sustainable food system right so why is that important and what does that mean uh, first of all right so if we take uh, if we look at food waste for instance 24 uh, 24% of greenhouse gases comes actually from food waste right so this is from from uh, something called a project uh, draw down that like did an analysis so 24% is uh, of greenhouse gases is food waste and 40% uh, of all food produced goes to waste, right? So, and like 75% of that 40% is actually inside of the supply chain. Wow. So there's actually no accountability, no visibility, right? It's a very old school industry that operates with with pen and paper, right? So where do we come into play, right? So we are trying to help uh, digitize and empower the, the value-adding businesses inside of the supply chain to run their businesses more efficiently, um, increase their profits and like eliminate food waste along the way right so right now we are at the end of the supply chain helping restaurants and their vendors uh to run their ordering management and their operations more efficiently so so that we can little by little go down the supply chain
0: well wow, it's a fantastic uh, cause and you know given uh, the current environment it makes total sense and uh, that's really exciting to to hear um uh what the business is doing um and also um From what I understand, it's grown quite a lot in that time. Uh, So if I understand it right, you've been there for about five years-ish. You started as the second employee and the software engineer, and now you're a director of engineering. So what has that journey been like? What size is Choco now-ish? And what's your sort of tech team look like?
1: Yes, so... um... The journey is like I started off basically as the first software engineer alongside the the CTO back then. Right. So we were sitting in a little space in, in uh, Katz Orange. It's a restaurant here in Berlin, like, because <laughs> the, the the founder of uh, no, the the owner of Katz Orange was uh, an angel investor, at Choco. So he provided us with some space. And in the first year, we were like, um, I think we started off in April officially, and then we by end of the year we were like 15 people in total. And off of those 15 people, like we were four engineers in the early days, right? um nowadays we are looking at uh, around like 100 people in the tech organization or we we call it epd engineer product design um and like yeah, multiple teams, uh, a lot of learnings uh, along the way, right? So in the early days, you just like need to like wear multiple hats and figure things out, even though you don't know what's uh, what's going on, right? I often say that like I was a full stack developer just because you had to like firefight everything that comes your yeah. way, right? Yeah.
0: Amazing, and um, yeah, it sounds like it's a very large. Um, E, uh, PM sort of organization now. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your sort of um, transition as you moved into that director of engineering role. Um, did you end up being sort of an engineering manager, leading teams, or how did you sort of make that transition into your current role?
1: Yeah, so I think... You know the CEO Danny has more of an ops ops heavy background coming from sales. So like the ops organization in the first year grew quite fast, mm. and uh, the the tech side of things actually grew quite slow. Right. So I recall I think by beginning of 2019 we were maybe like five people on the tech side, and we had already like 30 people in the rest of the organization. Right? Oh, wow. So- we were like, okay, there are other things that like need to get picked up aside, uh, alongside uh, coding itself, right? So um, there were just areas that needed attention, you know, um, people management, hiring, especially organizational tasks and, and setup. And, and one day, actually, because of this, we were also like looking for a head of engineering role. So was it like a, a JD open, and I looked at this. Reading the responsibilities, and I'd actually in the previous companies, I don't have a classic tech background, tech startup background with engineering management roles, etc. So I was reading the responsibilities, and I was like thinking, like, well, I can do this. <laughs> well, I, I don't have formal leadership experience, but uh, it's, it sounds something that like would that would excite me. And then I started. I w- was on holiday, and I started digging into. Um, the engineering manager path. So mm. that's when I found out like, how do I become a head of engineering, right? And then I found out, like, okay, the previous step is engineering manager. So I came back from the holiday and uh, proposed to the CTO back then saying, like, how about I take all the managerial tasks and just become the engineering manager for the organization that we are now and I'll do hiring, et cetera, et cetera. So Mm -hmm. that's how it eventually evolved into um, the engineering manager path.
0: And, And if you remember at that time, as you sort of transitioned to that engineering manager role, like how many people were in the tech group at that time? I think we were around 10, like eight to 10. So a very large team still. It,
1: it was a large team you know like also we had like barely any processes we had this master squad with like 15 <laughs> people sitting inside and so it was uh quite uh, quite funny as well uh, and quite a journey and then till end of the year we grew to like 25 mm. right um and it was actually not necessarily classic engineering management, like having a clear scope, like in any other uh, bigger tech organization, where okay, you have your PM and you drive things forward. I w- was eventually already managing the organization as a whole from an engineering perspective. So that's when, at some point, I got trusted to um, to do more and get more responsibility. And uh, match my responsibilities actually with the, the director title, and uh, you know, at some point Dan called me. It was during COVID, and said like, "Congratulations, you're director now. Figure it out." Yeah. So <laughs> uh, here I am, figuring it out.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Um, and along that journey, you probably would have—I mean—to go from 25 to about sort of 100 uh, total now. Um, you know, that's quite a lot of growth, so you probably would have had to do things like hire other managers or leaders or grow people. So um, what was the mix of that and what does your organization look like now?
1: So right now of those hundred people, so we have three uh, domains. So we have the buyer side, which are the restaurants, cafes, et cetera, and we have the vendor side, which are the suppliers receiving the orders. And then we have the platform teams. Right. And um, so my responsibility is uh, taking care of the buyer side of things and um, all the engineering managers uh, of, uh, of my domain, which is three at the moment, uh, report to, to myself. Uh, and then I have a, a, a vendor counterpart as well inside of the platform. And so we have like multiple teams inside of these groups or domains. And then we have platform teams where the customers are obviously the product teams with the cloud platform and data platform to like enable um, uh, enable them.
0: Amazing. Yeah. So, um, and those uh, three sort of engineering managers that report to you, are they people that you sort of grew into that role or people you had to hire or mix? Yeah, it's it's it's
1: actually a mix. So I think in the early days, like uh, there was a lot of figuring out what is actually uh, engineering management as a whole, right? Everyone Absolutely. goes on that journey. <laughs> yeah, and like it seemed like everything that I found in the internet was like different companies did it differently, right? And so, and I think that is actually valid. That like uh, in on different stages, you have different needs towards engineering managers, right? And so. Many the the first group of engineering managers were actually grown from internally. It was people like who were uh, really good around people and like really were seeking to grow into that role, whatever that meant uh, at that time, right? And um, and later on, um, yeah. You know you don't have any more people who were uh, seeking to go down the path or like maybe you also did not really promote it internally yet or like uh, uh help people grow into that direction so you look uh, eventually uh, outwards and so you know, we hired obviously also people um from the outside right and that that's i think always interesting because that's the first time you confront yourself with like okay how do other people actually run this role of engineering management
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as you were sort of talking about how you kind of need to reflect on, well, what does an engineering manager look like in your environment, knowing it's different in other environments? um, That's also a challenge I think a lot of people have when hiring an engineering manager of trying to find the right sort of shape. Um, And yeah, how did you find when you were recruiting your first engineering manager? Did you find that you had people who had very different expectations or different sort of Uh, sort of skill set matches, or did you find people who fit generally pretty well to the shape of engineering manager that you were looking for?
1: I think, um, so we started quite late hiring for engineering managers, I would say. So when we, like, the first group, as I said, was, like, hired internally. Um, Also, like, it really, uh, to go back to the point of how it evolved, like, the first engineering managers were actually uh ICs and tech leads at the same time right mm-hmm. so yeah. and then you see like okay not feasible you evolve that uh, etc and so when we when we then started hiring i think you see different kinds of profiles you have those people who are really purely uh, on the people side of things and taking care of um yeah the different um yeah organizational tasks engineering organizational tasks, and then you have um and maybe less technical i think that's you have some people who have no former engineering background right so that's where sometimes different companies do it differently yeah but for us at that stage we had already uh, a new cto uh, and at that time there was an expectation as well to for engineering managers to be technical as well right so at least being able to ask the right questions um, as well as being strong on the team and people side right so i think that those were the early pillars that we looked at team and people um And then technical leadership and citizenship as well, like helping the other teams, driving the engineering organization forward.
0: And so, your current snapshot of your engineering manager—do you expect your EMs to be hands-on or to not be so hands-on?
1: Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's quite a discussion as well these days, right? Like with uh, with everything happening in the economy right now. Uh, But like uh, overall, I think there was always the expectation towards um, being on the technical side, now it's, uh, it's even uh, a bit more, I think because we, we downsized our teams uh, a bit in terms of like how we structured ourselves. Previously, when let's say two years ago or like one and a half years ago when we were hiring, the team sizes were quite large. So engineering managers, could not actually handle like depth on the technical side because they were really caught up on the people uh, topics, etc. cetera. And, Nowadays, and can I ask what, what
0: do you mean yeah. by large? What is large for,
1: for you? Oh, yeah. So like, we're talking here around a team of like in total, like 15 people and then maybe 12, like up, up to 12 reports for an EM, right? Yeah. So, and I think many people say the sweet spot is around six to eight. So uh quite heavy on the, on the people side of things that, right which, yeah. yeah exactly yeah and so like these days um yeah for sure like we we still expect the we don't expect them to do technical decisions because we still have also tech leads uh, in in every team um but we expect still to the the ems to understand the the systems the underlying systems the systems health etc right and in total like the four areas that uh, that we look out for um i think team and people obviously leadership uh, growing people then how your impact driving impact of the business not only from an engineering perspective i think that's where a lot of people get hung up on then systems health systems understanding and uh, team efficiency And i think like a last point which i think is a quite important is also like stakeholder management at some point, which includes com- communications, information management, collaboration, change management, these kind kind of topics.
0: Yeah, great. Uh, there's so many different areas, and you know it's great that you can articulate what you expect from your engineering managers and those areas and capabilities, because uh, that's a, it's a, a thing you have to sort of see how well uh, somebody's doing in those different areas, or to help people grow in those sorts of areas if they're lacking some of those skills or capabilities. Um, let's talk about your role and, um, maybe your peers. So, um, I understood that there was sort of the three domains, I think was the term that you used. Um, and I'm then assuming that you have kind of two counterparts from a engineering perspective, who would you say, are sort of peers that you work with closely, um, and how often do you sort of connect with them? Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, yeah, we have a director of product on, on the bio side as well, I think. Um, work very close with her um, and the design side as well Um, design side is covering right now still both so we don't have a representative on both sides yet Um, and then uh, I work very closely also with my director of engineering counterpart on the vendor side, just brand, like just sitting next to each other in the office and brainstorming or asking for advice. Um, so I think the, my engineering director counterpart is w- with whom I'm like most in, in uh, connected with. And then obviously when it comes uh, uh, like once a week, we have a formal weekly with the, the directors one-on-one Um and that's where we then discuss anything in regards to our uh, OKRs progress, things that like are not working well with, within the teams. Uh, and then we have like sessions, like uh, depending on what topic is important right now, work streams to dig into a more um, business KPI focus or business area focus that we need to look on. And that's where we then uh, discuss uh, various topics and how can we move in that direction, right?
0: Got it. And then what about the sort of platform group? Is there a director there that you um, interact with or is it a different forum or cadence so we have two t- no actually like so we have someone representing cloud
1: platform someone repre- like an em representing product platform which is like more developer experience and then we have a data platform where we have a head of data as well sitting there um and uh, we don't have anyone there on the director level but like they come together to represent the different areas of like infrastructure cloud Uh, data and uh, developer experience.
0: And then uh, do you have like a sync meeting with each person or is there a sort of group where you, or a forum where you sort of synchronize with all of those different areas at the same time?
1: Yeah, so we have like like a, a leadership group which of representatives of all these different domains which also includes uh the the architect of uh, of the engineering org so we have also an architect like a floating entity uh person basically and this is where we then like usually discuss all relevant uh, topics sometimes like once a quarter we also go like on off sites to like just take ourselves out and like think a bit more holistically about things um and then we do the same as well after that with uh, all engineering managers, basically, to, to stay in sync.
0: Got it. Excellent. Great. So I think we have a good shape of like your team, uh, the people who you work with sort of sideways. What about upwards? Who do you currently report to?
1: So I report to the CTO right now. And um, yeah, he's part of that senior leadership group to like uh, run the session and bring the topics and the concerns from the business side.
0: Got it. Excellent. Great. Um, And then um, I'm assuming you have um, business partners that you need to interact with quite regularly, or is that more through the director of product? Uh, How often do you have to work with different business partners? How many are there? I can imagine there's probably quite a lot in your sort of world.
1: Yeah, I think um, when I spoke earlier about the work streams, you have different uh, representatives of the areas that you want to focus on. And there you have like an operation specialist who usually collaborates uh, more closely with the uh, product owners of the different work streams and uh, the product director and the engineering director also in those uh, work stream sessions um, to, to yeah, uh, align as well and like stay up to date and provide our input. And usually also like our CEO is in uh, quite a lot of those sessions as well to like, uh bring a, a bit of a different insight as well from from his experience but yeah like there are different kinds of work streams overall and um you, you know like uh, it's also important to to focus on on a few you can't tackle everything
0: right absolutely I, it can be very overwhelming when you're doing that much sort of context switching and uh, you know uh, lots of work and uh, juggling um, which does bring us on maybe a little bit onto, uh, time. Uh, and I think that's kind of interesting, uh, in terms of maybe thinking about an average week and maybe there's not really an average week in your sort of world, but if you were to describe what a week looks like for you, like what sort of time or activities do you do and and what's the split of time that you think about?
1: Yeah, I think, um so i don't have like percentages of uh, how i split my time but i think i have a natural tendency towards team and people on the one side and then also more vision and direction on the other side so naturally i spend uh, quite a few uh, you know quite some time on one-on-ones in general throughout the organization maybe skip levels or my own one-on-ones um with uh, all different people across Uh, I think like you know if I think back of the early days you know one of the things that I thought about like oh cool engineering management is all about relationship building right so that was my first one of my first thoughts and I do think that it's quite important to like build, uh, uh trust and like being face to face from, from my perspective. So a lot of that goes into there, like building that so that like, we can build a he- healthy organization, um, and, uh, have like honest feedback or people can like, just tell me what's, what's up when, when, when they talk. And the other side is uh, obviously also with, with people, um, is I spend a lot of time hiring as well, like doing interviews. So a lot of time goes into there. Um, and then uh, the other part is actually syncing and uh, with the people of my buyer organization, like buyer engineering leadership. I have the tech leads and EMs. And there I try to nudge and bring the mid to long-term topics. You know, As an engineering manager, oftentimes, especially in a startup, you're more focused on the scope of, that you have right now and the next three to six months, right? So there's barely any time to like think a bit ahead. So I bring then the conversations. i like, okay, folks, what about this? This is coming at some point. Let's spend a bit of time thinking about that. What do we need to do Like to already slightly shift in that direction? Have we thought about this? So this is then also bringing a bit of the context of what's coming next, right? So, yeah, that's the other part, and I think that. Uh, sums up my 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 week pretty much.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it sounds like it's a very full week, uh, and um, I you know definitely understand the the time that you spend in one to ones with people, uh, and you're right. I think the relationship building aspect is such a key element to being successful in that space, uh, and in your sort of world, there's so many relationships you could potentially spend time on, um, and you know trying to find the right balance there is is useful. The um, Thing that um, I found very interesting that you talked about was that sort of strategic thing, right? Of like you mentioned how teams would be thinking like for the next week, maybe the next three to six months, and your horizon's a little bit further along. Um, how far in the future do you tend to sort of think about, or like, do you have any timeframes? And what's your process for thinking sort of more longer term?
1: So usually what we do is like we have a goal for a strategic goal for the year right i mean in in the startup we're now five years old but still consider us very the early stage actually um one year is a long time right so like uh, looking further than that ahead does not Often makes sense because it will be thrown off the table, other priorities uh, come along, and you have to always be uh, receptive to change overall. Um, But in regards, but I think especially for engineering, it is highly important to think about. Where are we heading next? What could be uh, coming potentially, right? So that's when I get together with um, the product counterpart who usually maps out like a more um, broader vision You know, it doesn't have to become true, but like more like a story. And then with design you get together and and say like, okay, how how will this look like? How could this potentially look like? Not being set in stone, but at least we can give also engineers the idea of this is how it could evolve, so that they can, like, when they start doing technical decisions, incorporate these ideas. Because okay, we might go into that direction or this direction. I think that that is uh, pretty much important, and that's where I have to like bring the context and like ask the, the people to to consider um, these things in terms of tr- strategy and. Um, yeah ask them like okay think about this and how do we get there
0: so if i understand it right uh sort of the year is the horizon and then it's a combination between you working with your product director and and sort of head design to sort of uh shape what that looks like and then you bring that into the conversations with your team is that right exactly Yeah. Great. Excellent. Wonderful. Um, So I think it's really fascinating your journey and your background because, as you say, it's not like the typical uh, sort of engineer, engineering manager. You know, you've had quite a lot of sort of varied things. If you were to think about like moving into your director of engineering role, what are some things that helped you, uh, you know, as you took on that role and probably with not a lot of support from the organization?
1: Yeah. I think um, that was. Quite interesting, I feel, because when I stepped into that role, there was no one really experienced in engineering management. I mean, I, I literally found out by myself that there, this path exists, and so without that uh, support and or the knowledge internally, um, I sought it elsewhere. So the whole reason, like one of the main reasons, uh, I you know was so excited about the. Leadership journey as a whole was the book "The Trillion Dollar Coach," um, right? About Bill Campbell, and I thought, like, I want to be Bill Campbell, you know, like, kind of in a way. <laughs> and so, um, but but then, like, going actually into the role, I was like, okay, what do I do, right? So, like, I looked up just like the general articles in the internet and uh, tried to figure out what is the role of the engineering manager and often reached out to my network. So I remember being on a conference here in Berlin and I was so uh, excited about the presentation. I reached out to the person and would regularly ask questions that I would encounter because I had no idea, like structuring teams or other things. Uh, And they would like really uh, help me out. Uh, Shout out to Pierre Giorgio Niero from, from London. He helped me a lot back then. Or I would bump into articles and reach out to them on LinkedIn and say, like, hey, can we have a chat about these different topics? And then I would bump into like these leadership Slack channels like Ledef or uh, the RANDs, uh, Eng Leadership. And sometimes when no one could help me, I would just drop a question in the channel and see what people think about it, right? So I think a big part was um, the yeah um, the network that I had generally books and uh, articles but also um in in the early days of choco we also did your your workshop right and i think i learned also like a lot there i was like still quite uh, a newbie i was not even two years into my role and like all of us engineer fresh engineering managers um went into uh into your course shortcuts to engineering leadership. So thank you for that.
0: Yeah, thank you. I remember it was a very uh, excited, uh, very motivated group. So thank you for the energy. Love it. Um, You you mentioned one book, which is Trillion Dollar Coach. Um, What other maybe were books, influential books for you uh, that you think are relevant for other engineering directors or managers and managers?
1: I really love uh, Managing Humans from uh, Michael Lopp, because uh, he brings uh, a humorous approach to engineering uh, management and his approach um generally i think uh high output management a classic uh classic book as well from andrew grove um, and i think uh, i really liked as well um uh, from good to great i don't know the author anymore but like i think that was generally gave a good uh Gave good context about what makes companies good and great as a whole. So like I try to like also focus it not only on engineering leadership but like try to bring in different ideas and concepts from from books to shape them together. like for instance, there's a book uh, range about generalists versus specialists right that uh, I find fascinating. I think these are some books to to pull into your repertoire and uh, uh, see how it can help you evolve.
0: There are some really great recommendations. And um, one thing I noticed is, um, uh, yeah, The the Rands, or Michael Lopp and his Managing Humans, is a a really good book. Uh, But the other books are sort of, I guess, classically business books. Um, And I can imagine in your role um, and uh, sort of your situation, you probably need to face a lot more and understand the business. I mean, you ran your own startup as well. How much has that influenced how you work as a director? So, how much do you think of like engineering versus like aligning with the business, and how does that sort of manifest?
1: So, yeah, I think this is actually one of the things um, that is not that easy to learn, Uh, or not not that like not natural. When you get into engineering management, you're focused on your code and what it does and what features it uh, uh, it produces, but then when you have to think of Engineering metrics and the business, what the business wants, you have to also like speak a different language and use a different language and you. Uh, When you have to explain technical initiatives and tech deb to different stakeholders, you have to translate it. And what does it mean in terms of business numbers? So I think this is uh, quite a a learning for an engineering manager to uh, stay on top of this, right? Because oftentimes you have like your product manager counterpart who actually covers this space. But like if you as an engineer as well, engineering manager and engineer, you want to really ship amazing work and like understand the user deeply you need to understand what the business is trying to achieve as well so I think the role of an engineering manager is to take these metrics like, and translate them in a way to the engineers on why this is important, right? So that you already get the touch points. Because if you don't have any feeling for the business metrics that you're trying to move, you will always get hung up in technical initiatives. Like, oh, I hate this code. This has to be refactored. But you don't actually translate it into business value, right? So you have to have to always keep this in mind. And this is also a part of becoming more serious. I think, as an IC, because you shift more from the technical aspects to the business aspects. aspects.
0: No, absolutely. And, and I think you captured a couple of really good, I think, uh, points. One, which is like, you have to talk to the business on their language and terms. And this is definitely a trap I've seen with a lot of engineering leaders, is that they simply just talk about their own world, tech debt, and builds and compile times, and business people don't really care about that. Um, Do you have any tips for people who are trying to get better at communicating with business people?
1: Yes. So I think many, many people in the engineering space also don't consider what it means to improve their communication skills as a whole, right? They say like, yeah, I've been gotten, received feedback that I need to improve communication without actually knowing what does it actually mean? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, improving communication, right? And I think as the more senior you get, you need to learn how to use the right words and language bec- because you want to influence people, right? I think uh, opinionated engineers often go in, Quite hard with their strong opinions. And uh, I, th- I think one of the concepts of the book Managing Humans is the language called uh, management tease. So when you actually try to present it in a different way, uh, yeah, style of words, they think, like, oh, this is all manager BS, and like, I don't want to talk this way, this is sugarcoating. But actually, it's just understanding how to use language to influence right um oftentimes like uh, you, you know when when you don't know how to influence like you know this is when organizations fall into the fallacy of like oh um uh, this is so political because people don't know how to influence uh, people so like you know bad bad communication and influence is called politics good influence it's, it's just called it's good influence yeah so i think um this is something to bear in mind and like, just be mindful of how can I really get through to what I want, right?
0: No, that's Some great tips and I love how you sort of said how language is really important to influencing. And in your role, you know, that's kind of your biggest lever of you know, being able to communicate with people and, and influence through those relationships that you have, that you're building uh, through the conversations that you're sort of steering. How did you improve your influencing skills was it just through lots of trial and error how did you how did you expand your influencing skills I think I
1: I honestly don't know I think it was like a lot of it was was uh, definitely trial and error but I was always uh, quite on the mindful side of my communication so I I didn't want like you know things like the um What is the feedback sandwich? I knew like I didn't want to do these kind of things. And I wanted to be uh, me personally, like uh, very focused on relationships, my personal style. Like I always wanted to be gentle, but I wanted to be clear on my feedback or my statements. Right. So it's always a fine line. Right. And sometimes you realize hmm, maybe it didn't get through right, this time. And then like, next time you try differently and you think, okay, maybe this was was a bit hard. So I do think that a lot of it is like trial and error and just uh, uh, keeping on doing it. And I do think that a lot of um, a lot of skills that the engineering manager brings to the table is just learned over time and experienced by itself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with everything that does it need to be practiced. And, and I think what I was hearing you say in that Sort of influencing part was really that mindfulness of trying to focus on doing something with intention. Um, And I kind of hear a little bit of the radical candor stuff in there of being like both empathic, like sensitive, but being direct as well. Right. So I think that's useful, not just for feedback, but also communication, I think.
1: Yeah. And I think like, you know, you want to give the person the feeling that, hey, we're here both. We want both the same thing right? And we're on the same page. And I think that's where radical candor comes into play. Yes.
0: Absolutely. Well, and and I mean, I think what you just said there also captures a big difference because I do see a lot of engineers who think it's about like winning an argument. And what I heard you say there was it's like, you know, we're both trying to win. Like we're both on the same page. It's not about a win-lose situation. And you're trying to, you know, try to make sure that everyone's happy with the outcome with whatever you end up with. Exactly. Um, so one of the um, things that you recently did this year was deliver your first public talk. And this was riding the roller coaster of emotions as a leader. So I can imagine over the last five years, there's been a lot of roller coasters, lots of emotions. Uh, what's been uh, you know, the, a big roller coaster for you that you've experienced managing other managers?
1: I think in general, and this might not be um managing managers per se, but like I think the most emotional bits of, of this role is when the when the working relationship doesn't work out and you need to part ways. Mm. Right? Because that's then the moment as well where you know you're you question yourself, well like why have I done anything like could I have done something better to empower this person? Or well, why haven't we found this earlier in the hiring process? All these things Uh, come up and like just parting ways is never a great thing overall right and this is where you know if you're a decent human being you will just feel horrible in in that moment so i think that is like by far the biggest thing that's uh and also like one of the biggest learnings on how you, you manage yourself and manage the situation itself right the other part is i think a different topic is i think being able to translate what what the business uh needs right or when uh, oftentimes business decisions are made from the top and then you have to like pass them down and translate them uh, in the best way possible but not always do these come through or um you know many many times engineering managers need to disagree and commit and i think the hardest part is then helping uh, the managers through the middle management trap right so you on the one side you're taking whatever's coming your way in terms of business decision and you pass it on to your team and then your team gives you the flag for it so naturally you will uh you will be, because you operate daily with your team, you're very close to them. So it's easy to feel, okay, what's uh, management or like senior leadership or whatsoever up there doing again. And one, one thing that's uh, helped me a lot with my engineering managers is to sit down and to the point of earlier, try to explain that, hey, we, on, we want the same, and B, uh, that you're also representative of the business primarily, right? So if you feel that you're not on the same page with what happens, spend more time with uh, your manager or myself um, to understand what's going on so that you get to the point that you find especially the positive aspect of it. And this is also part of managing your emotions. You have to like find the positive spin to a thing that is affecting you negatively to then go out there and be able to like pass it on in a more positive way to your team, right? So I think these uh, things were the things that came to my mind.
0: That's some amazing uh, advice and uh, some very useful tips. Thank you for sharing. No worries. Um, Maybe uh, starting to wrap up a little bit then. Um, if you were to be in your first time managing other managers, what is something that you wish you'd known uh, stepping into that role for the first time? I think
1: assertiveness um, is something, one of these things that you learn over time. I remember in the early days when I started running as an engineering manager and you go into the meetings and no one's making a decision and like it's technically up to you and you're like maybe we can do it this way and then i like, got feedback like man gap your engineer manager now make the calls it's fine <laughs> be more assertive and i think this is something that just comes over time when you get more comfortable in the role and attached to that is obviously the imposter syndrome and i got some amazing advice from an external coach ben anderson uh, i once went into a session with him and said like you know what this week hasn't been great and i just have this huge Huge sense of imposter syndrome at the moment Um, especially when uh, my director of engineering peer joins right that's the first time you're actually being comparing yourself to someone else with a lot of experience i had this feeling of imposter syndrome and uh, he said like gab you have imposter syndrome well that's amazing congratulations Uh, because that only means that like you feel you still need to learn and grow and that you expect more of yourself so congratulations right and that like gave me a whole different perspective on the imposter syndrome and um that was some amazing advice so like it's fine to have imposter syndrome right and it's just a sign of you want to grow
0: that's fantastic great perspective and i'm glad that was able to help you through that um, moment as well um, so thank you very much for being on the podcast. Um, where can people find out more about you? Where can they find you on the internet or uh, on the socials?
1: Yes. So I would say connect with me over LinkedIn. That's like the platform that I'm most, uh, like, uh, present on. I would say I'm not a big, uh, social media. Uh, I'm a more passive person on social media. So I follow instead of like posting myself that might change. Or uh, on Instagram, mind gab with B, right? So LinkedIn, Gabriel Michaels, that's the way to, to find me. I'm happy to connect. Um, have a coffee. Don't be a stranger. Um, so yeah, thank you very much,
0: Pat. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Managing Managers podcast you can find the transcript and the show notes at www.managingmanagers.tech. If you enjoyed the content, please be sure to rate and subscribe to be informed about new episodes. Also, consider sharing this podcast with another person who might benefit. Until next time.